0: or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the giving tab and choose online campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. I was choking on something and I gagged too. There were tubes in my nose, in my throat. Sensors were beeping all around me. I had no idea where I was, I couldn't move anything on my body, but my eyes worked and I could see my father in the corner of the room, bags under his eyes, hadn't shaved. You could tell he'd been under duress. The first words out of my mouth, how did I do in the game? After a long pause, my father spoke through tired eyes, son, you didn't play you broke your neck. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But That's when I came alive to my deep need for purpose. Well, my name is Micah McKelvin, and I have the privilege of serving alongside over 550 team members that serve Jesus Christ in some of the poorest places on planet Earth through Vapor Ministries. And I want to just start by saying it is an incredible privilege to be here today with you all at Emmanuel. And I want to just take a moment I want to just turn to the camera and I want to say to all of you tuning in online, whether you're joining us from your armchair or your beach chair, we're glad to have you. And then campuses that are spread out across Indianapolis, Indianapolis, hey Greenwood, let's just welcome our family. We just want to let you know we're glad you're tuning in. We're so thankful to be with you this morning. Now it's such a joy to be in the house with people And I know that you welcomed me well. I hope I welcomed you well. I want to give you a chance just to turn to your neighbor and just let them know it's good to see you in church today. Now, I don't know what that looked like at your campus or in your house, but in this room, uh, many people, you had two neighbors, two choices. I don't know why you chose one over the other. But now you got to turn to your second choice, and you got to tell them, I guess they do that anybody in here. <laughs> well, this is my first time here at Emmanuel, and hopefully not my last, and I know that many of you, we haven't met yet, naturally, we don't know each other well, but I do know that we have multiple things in common. Uh, for instance, we both share a love for your pastor, Pastor Danny and Miss Jackie. We love you all. Uh, we want you to know we're thankful for you. It is great to see the work of Jesus Christ going on here in this community. Faith family, will you just join me in welcoming and honoring and thanking God for your pastors? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you do. Get that break, come back fired up. We know you're going to lead well through the fall. We love you, Pastor. We love you very much. Uh, I also would imagine that we both share other things. For instance, you and I both want to live a meaning filled life. Right? I've yet to meet someone who says, My goal is to get to the end, look back, and want a do over. And the reason that is inside of us, the reason that I knew that was true of you, is because God actually biologically wired me and you to live out a purpose-filled life. But there's a problem. A wide road lays before us. And it invites each of us to waste our lives on things that will not matter when our life is over. Right, there's a million distractions. The path is littered with temptations to go off course and to miss the very reason for which God has put life in our bones. And the sad truth is this. Most people, Walk into the grave void of purpose. But you're different. You're here in part because you want to live a life that matters. And I'm here this morning because I want to encourage you. So this morning, I'm going to share some personal story, and I want to spur you on with three biblical truths in a talk we'll call Dying for Purpose. Now, I know leaders are learners, and I know you all are all about taking notes, and so I want to encourage you, get your pen and your pad out, and take a moment and turn to that second choice, and tell them, let's take some notes this morning. Well, you are aware and I am aware that oftentimes good news follows bad moments, right? It's the, the warmth of dawn comes after the chill of night. And in similar fashion, uh, this morning we're going to start with a, a little bit of a sombering thought, but hang on, stick with me, there's a bunch of good coming. But I do realize that some people are challenged, right? They they don't really do well hanging on to a full talk. And so I actually want to make a deal with you right now. If you are planning on tuning me out, I get it. But I want to encourage you, just just do so right now. Just just check out right now. Because I don't want you to hear the first thought and then check out and leave discouraged. So everybody else, if you're with me, stay with me, all right? All right? Let's go. First truth, first thought. Death precedes purpose. You see, the better way to say it is actually this. Our plan for our lives produces death. In the Proverbs, he spoke to this reality. He said, there is a path before each person that seems right but it ends in death. In the New Testament, Jesus oftentimes would unpack uh, heavenly truths with earthy examples and illustrations. And talking about this very theme, he used an agricultural picture with his disciples and in John we pick it up and he says, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. You see, a, a head of wheat, a seed, is designed to reproduce. It has a purpose. But in order to do that, it has to go through a dying process. It has to be buried. And then it can germinate And then and only then can it fulfill its full meaning and produce. But if that seed, if it sets itself aside, if it chooses to just do its own thing, then it will wither away. It will die alone. It will remain only a single seed. And Christ's point is, so it is with a life. A life dedicated to self ends with self. And yet you and I live in a culture that says, just do you. And I was all about me. My gain, my glory, Micah's ends. If you were to ask me in looking back what my goals for my life were, I would sum it up with two words, assets and accolades. Right, I wanted the coin, right? I wanted the dough, but I might as well have the fame that goes with it. And my ticket, my love, my passion was ball. Man, love me some ball. Played quarterback in free safety, pitched and played shortstop, played point guard. My father was athletic director, head football and head basketball coach. We were around it all the time. Did I, did I mention to y'all love me some ball? Let let me just shoot you real straight. I wanted to be a light-skinned Deion Sanders. You know what I'm saying? Primetime plus one. I wanted to go pro in three. My father could see that this, this game, this passion had turned into idolatry and it concerned him. And so after one practice, he came up to me and he said, son, he said, life isn't about a game. He said, God has made you on purpose for his purpose. And success is selling out to God's plan for your life. Great advice, but it offended me. It crystallized an internal tension. You see, I wanted Jesus to be savior, but I wanted to be Lord. Not too long after that conversation, this wrestling match ensued. About 2 a.m. on a Thursday night before a big football game Friday, I stood up in my room and I said, God, this is my life. And this is what I want to do with my life. Leave me alone. Not too long after that, we went down to catch some waves. I had spent a lot of time on the, the left coast. We lived in San Diego, California. And we would picked up surfing. But now we had moved to the Gulf side of Florida. And there's this big pond out there in the Gulf of Mexico, right? It's, it's a big, placid lake. And the only time you can ride waves is when the, the hurricanes would kick up surf. And so my brother and I, we decided it'd be a good idea to ride those breakers. And we, we got down to the beach that day, and there was big waves. And there was big beach break. And so we were racing to see you could get to the water first. And I was trucking down that beach as fast as I could. And I saw this wave, and it formed. And just before it hit the beach, I threw my weight into it as, as hard as I could. And when I hit that water, something happened. It was like a shock just raced through my body. Now, instinctively, I knew to lay still, like something was off, but the momentum, it carried me through the water, and I I remember being face down, groggy, like off. And the next wave, it kind of rolled me over, and as I got my bearings and I tried to get up, I could see the surface, I could see the air. My body wouldn't work. Panic just races through my veins. My lungs begin to scream for breath. Try as I might, there's nothing I can do. I can't get to the surface. In a last-ditch effort, I put my lips together, but instead of air, I caught water, and I passed out. My brother had seen me dive in. He doesn't think anything's wrong. He goes and he gets the football. After a few moments passes, he walks out to the very place I dove in. He looks out in the water, Nothing. He thinks I'm playing a joke, so he actually leaves, goes back to look in the bushes, and every moment that passes, I'm dying. My parents had dropped us off, parked the car, they made their way down, they found my brother frantically searching, they joined the search, until a mother's worst nightmare. My mom, she hit the beach and began to scream at the top of her lungs, God, 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 please don't take my son. A stranger was waist deep in a slack pool of water. He was lifting a hand on a corpse about 150 yards down the beach. My father ran down, pulled my lifeless body out of the surf. No heartbeat, no pulse. I'd flatlined. He began to do what he knew of CPR. My brother got my mom up. They ran to the nearest house, 911. Y'all know the stories. EMTs, defibrillator, eventually a Helicopter. I don't remember much of the first week, but I remember choking on something and I I gagged too. There were tubes in my nose and my throat, sensors. That's when I realized I had died. That's when I realized my dreams were shattered. But that's when I came alive to my deep need for purpose. But you know what? Truth of the matter is, is my lust for my life, my way, it needed to die. And God knew that a long time before I did. And he had spoke to me what he speaks to you this morning, what he shared with his disciples long before in Matthew. He says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. You see, God is not obligated to our dreams. He's committed to his purpose. So the question for us for followers of Jesus, is what in my life needs to die? And the only posture that makes sense before the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior Jesus Christ. Have your way with me. I surrender. My life belongs to you. Faith family, the takeaway, the starting point for each of us is this. Let life's author write your script. You see, when you and I begin to allow an inferior dream to fade, and we begin to open ourselves to God's direction, God's plan, God's will for our lives, then we begin to truly live, which brings us to our second truth. Purpose produces life. Faith family, if you believe that, will you say that with me? Purpose produces life. You know, I have to ask myself this question, and I don't always like the answer, but I want to pose it to you. Do you believe his purpose is better than your plan? Healthy spouses, Healthy Spouse Club. Who all is in that club with me? You married a healthy spouse. Anybody relate? Anybody at home, campuses, right? Y'all know about them healthy spouses. I know Miss Jackie does, right? Hey, Danny, I want you to know my brother. There was only broccoli and carrots back there in the green room. There was not a donut in the house. We're all doing the healthy thing, man. Well, I got to shoot you straight. I entered marriage on a steady, diet of mount, a steady diet of Mountain Dew and Reese's peanut butter cup. Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah. Now, my bride, on the other hand, she was reared on like pine nuts and tree bark. So after we got married, you can imagine what our kids were feasting on, right? Yep seaweed and kale bites. (laughs) I actually got a picture of my family. Love my doll. My best friend, my bride, my sweetheart, Audrey McKelvey. Actually, she's in the house. Will you stand, sweetheart? Love you, doll. You are amazing. Yeah, we honor you. My little girl, my doll, just turned three, giving gracious. She is blessing your nursery right now. And then you have Arrow, or affectionately known as Roro by sister. And Arrow, he is, he is awesome. But I got to let you know, he is running up a tab right now. You're going to have to bill us later, uh, because he's definitely destroying the kids' room back there. So one day I came into the kitchen, and I find Arrow, and he's, you know, eating on that kale, And I decided, you know, since I'm the man of the house and I get to, you know, participate in how we form plans, you know, that I should be able to speak into this food plan. And so with confidence and with boldness, I made my way into the kitchen. And then with command in my voice, I looked at Arrow and I said, I've got something for you. It's called a Twinkie. (laughs) And he said no. (laughs) Stuck on his plan, he missed Daddy's good purpose. How often do we settle for familiar and miss God's best? In all seriousness, Exchanging your dream for his purpose is not sacrifice, it's smart. Exchanging your dream for his purpose isn't sacrifice, it's smart. Because purpose produces real life. The good life, the abundant life, is walking in view of God's plan for you. And the reality is, is that God's purpose is the very thing that gave life to all of our faith heroes. You can't look back into the scriptures, and you can't not see this truth that God's purpose and the reason that our forefathers lived were inextricably linked. Right, all you gotta do is you gotta look to Abraham, built the ark to save humanity. You look to Moses, led the people to the promised land. We look to David, unified the kingdom. We look to Solomon, built the temple. And it goes on and on. We come into the New Testament, and Paul, he could speak. With authenticity, when in Romans he spoke these words of exhortation. Give yourselves completely to God. Pause. Discern the will of God. Look into his word. Know what's important to him. Form your purpose from that. And then sell out. Go all into it. He says, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead. Right, we talked about that. There is a path that leads to death. We were on it, but he says, but now you have new life. Life, God's purpose, God's purpose, life, inextricably linked. His desire for each of us to walk in it. You see, Christ's death saves our souls, but God's purpose fuels our lives and I had to die to come alive to his purpose for me but he got my attention he opened my heart he opened my eyes I began to see in God's word his heart for the lost the Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost and he invites the found to join him on mission a mission that is supposed to be carried out in all nations to the ends of the earth, I begin to get God's heart for the lost. I also begin to see God's heart for the poor. In the word of God, there's over 2,000 commands, calls, invitations from God to his people to care for the poor, to stand up for the marginalized, the hurting, for those that lack justice. I begin to see the realities in our world that break the heart of God. Conditions, places in our world where extreme poverty is normal. Extreme poverty is defined as trying to survive on less than $1.90 a day. 700 million human beings are trapped in that form of poverty. Men and women, boys and girls, families no different than ours, people that God loves, people that Jesus died for. He opened my eyes. Faith family, will you close your eyes for a moment? I want to try the impossible. I want to try to show you, help you see some of what I experienced. I had an opportunity to travel to Africa. I had learned about some of the extreme poverty dynamics Imagine life for a moment, trying to survive on 190 a day. What would home look like? What would your house look like? What would the table look like? What would your neighborhood look like? Open your eyes with me. Welcome to Velma's home. A slum over 300,000 people trying to survive on less than 150 a day. My first experience there, my heart was broke. For a month, I stayed with indigenous people in the slum. And I remember going to Velma's home. Her entire home was maybe 12 by 14, dirt floor, 10 siding, 12 people sleeping in that home. Brother died of AIDS, sister died of AIDS. They inherited their kids And as I'm standing in her home, I look at Velma and I say, how is that possible? How can 12 people sleep in this home? And I'll never forget, she pointed to the soiled bed in the corner of the room and she said, my husband and I, we sleep on this bed. One child to the right, one child to the left, one child sleeps across our feet. She pointed to this makeshift table across the dirt floor and she said, we lay three kids across this table each night. She pointed to this makeshift bench along the tin siding and she said, the rest of the kids sleep, arms crossed, leaned against the tin siding. She said, the bed is the best night's sleep. So we rotate. And I walked out of her home into the broader community and my heart cracked as my eyes were opened. And I knew I was gonna spend the rest of my life trying to forget what I saw or spend the rest of my life trying to do something about it. And wrestling in that tension Seeing God's heart for the world and knowing what I now knew, I began to ask God, give me a purpose that would bring glory to you. And that's exactly what he began to do. He downloaded a vision, a vision for a ministry that we would walk into those very slums and we would buy property and create hubs of hope, places where water, food, education, and health services would be provided. Places where children, youth, and adults could come by the thousands and do what they love, play their sport of choice, but while they're there, hear about the one that loves them. From indigenous people that speak the language, drink the water, and understand the culture. These would be hubs of hope. Places where micro-businesses would initiate agricultural products, employ people, create economy. And by the grace of Jesus Christ, this is exactly what's been happening. Those dreams have been turned into working realities as amazing brothers and sisters of faith, faith families like yours, have, choosed, have chosen to lock shields and make a difference. And today in East Africa, West Africa, and Haiti, hundreds of thousands of the poorest people on planet Earth are experiencing Jesus in their lives today with a hope for a future tomorrow. Because a people has chosen to stay on purpose. And I can tell you, real life is connected to purpose. But many are here today and you say, man, I I love that and I appreciate that. But I don't think that I'm going to be going to live in Africa. And maybe many say, well, I'm not called to a stage. I don't think I'm supposed to be a pastor. So what about me? And I want to just, I just want to encourage you. God's divine purpose in you is as real as his purpose in any pastor, any teacher, any missionary. He has a purpose for you. He has a design for you. And his goal is that you would walk in it. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, no matter where you're at, no matter where you're coming from, walk your purpose with your life. So it begins with each of us letting an inferior dream die and then allowing him to open our eyes to life-giving purpose. But the final truth, the final thought I want to leave you with this morning is simply this. Life yields impact. Life yields impact. You see, God designed life for impact. He literally formed humanity with impact in mind. One of the places that spells that out incredibly well is Ephesians. Check it out with me. He actually opens up with, for we are God's masterpiece. Pause. Now, you and I both know that our parents came together and their DNA formed us, right? (laughs) But the Bible actually says in multiple places that God was involved in that process, that he was actually birthing life. The psalmist says in the Old Testament, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And here he actually talks about God as an artist, right? That he's, when you were being created, when he was forming you, that he was forming, he was painting a masterpiece, right? But God was bringing life to bear in the womb. Then he goes on to say that he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, So we leave the womb and we enter a world that is separated from God. Sin has created death. We're all impacted by it. And he says he gives a second shot at life. The death of Jesus Christ created a way for us to have new life in him. John talks about this in his gospel as when we come to meet Jesus, it's like being born again. So let's put these two things together. In the womb, Christ gives life, God gives life, And then we meet Jesus when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. The life of Christ comes in us. We're born again. We have new life. And the question is, is what is all this life giving for? He answers. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God's life through us yields impact around us. His design and his desire is to move into a desperately hurting world through you. And this is exactly what Jesus was getting after in John. You see, that agricultural picture doesn't stop with a seed left alone. He goes on to say, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Faith families saved people save people. Healed people heal people. Rescued people rescue people. God's goodness to us was designed to flow through us into a world around us. Life yields impact. And that's exactly what your faith family is up to. That is exactly what Pastor Danny built this faith family on. That's exactly why you have an impact team. That's why you have opportunities to serve. You are a group of people that says, no matter what's going on in the world around us, pandemic issues, we're going to stay on mission. We're going to make a difference. We're going to serve our communities. We're going to reach the lost. We're going to see people mobilized in Christ. We're going to continue to make an impact in our world. And I actually met your pastor Danny in the middle of impact, in the middle of pandemic. And our hearts were knit around this reality, both sharing a desire to make a difference in the world around us. And in the middle of that, he said, "I want you to come and share with our faith family." And you know this past year, you stayed engaged not only in your community but around the world. And you fed the hungry and you reached the lost. And faith families like yours stayed engaged with us. And last year, in one of the most challenging years that we've ever experienced, impact resulted. Let me share a little bit of that with you. By the grace of God, 56 million cups of cold water served last year. 1.8 million meals. 254,000 people received health services. And over 1 million People received the gospel of Jesus Christ, heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, many of them placing their faith because a people has stayed on mission. But sometimes when I think about that big picture, that big data, it can go over the head. I need a story to help it stick. And so as we move towards close, I want to leave you with one. Uh, the young man you see on the screen, more specifically the young man on the right, his name is Hasmin. I actually took this picture because of what happened in front of it. It was 15 years ago. I was living in the slum in Kenya. We were building our first center. And this little boy came up and he handed me a coin. It was a 20-shilling piece worth about 40 cents to me. For him, it was a meal a day for four days. Now, what you can't tell in this picture is the little boy had, had no britches on his, his shirt was porous, holes in it. He smelled like a trash can. The fact that he gave me that coin was a big deal. So I handed the coin back to him. I said, you were honest, keep it. He went into the slum. Next day, he comes back, and I don't recognize him. After a little while, this little boy sticking his face in my face, I finally turned to one of our team members, and he said, that's the boy from yesterday. He wants to show you what he did with the money. He had went down, and after buying a plate of food, he got a shave and got a bath, because he wanted to feel the sensation of being clean, and he was there to show me what he did. Come to find out, the reason he smelled like a trash can was he was living in a local trash dump. No record of his birth, somewhere around four years of age, knocking on people's doors at night, and occasionally people would stick out scraps to a dog. But this young man, because of faithful supporters like you, for the last 15 years, has gotten the education he needed. Graduated high school, speaks three languages fluently, and is about to finish his college degree. He got the food and the medical attention and care he needed. But he met a father that would never leave him nor forsake him in Jesus Christ. And today he's a disciple maker. But he believes in the very words that I'm sharing with you. And he takes the overage he has, and he buys rice and grain And occasionally he buys the most precious gift for a young boy in the community and he goes and he serves the hurting because he believes what you and I know, that life yields impact. And he reminds me what I encourage and remind you with today. Don't waste life on things that will die with it. Let's live today for yield. Faith family, God has designed you and I to truly live. And yes, it starts with a dying process. But he wants us to walk our lives on purpose, making the very difference he created us to make. And I know for many this morning, this, this word is it's simply a word of encouragement, right? You are a follower of Christ. This is just a shot in the arm. And if that's you this morning, I just wanna wanna sum it up with this reminder. You have one life, it's like a vapor. So run hard and stay the course. Well done rests on the backside of your purpose-filled pathway. But maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're tuning in online, maybe you're at another campus. And you'd say, I'm not sure about this Jesus thing. I've been hurt by the church, or or the whole church thing is new to me. I'm kind of kicking the tires. And I want to begin by saying, I am so glad. I want to speak on behalf of Pastor Danny. This place was created with you in mind. We're so glad you're here this morning. But I believe you're at a crossroads. There's a path in front of you. And at the head of that path, there sits a cross. And the one who hung, bled, and died on it invites you to come. He died on purpose. He rose from the dead for a purpose for you. For God so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Lord Jesus, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so this morning, I want to invite you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're ready to give your life to Jesus, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you, cry out to him, call out to him. There's no special words, but I'm gonna offer some for you, pray some with you. If you're ready to give your life to Christ, call out to him something like this. I acknowledge my need for you. I confess my sin before you. I believe you died and you rose again. Today I place my trust in you. I turn from my path and I follow. Hey, faith family, let's just give a round of applause to every person that gave their life to Jesus Christ. We love you. We're thankful for you. And if you're here today or you're online and you did receive Christ, I wanna encourage you. There's a a number on the screen. Will you just text SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 65248. Your journey has just begun. This faith family wants to walk with you. They wanna encourage you. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with us at Vapor Ministries, be encouraged by stories and content, follow us online. Check us out on our social handles. Many people ask us, hey, what about the rest of the story? What took place? A documentary actually just came out. It's free. If you follow me on my social handles, you can access that in the bio link. Or you can go online and in our story, you can have access to that. Again, it's, it's free to you. And lastly, we do have a book coming out, 25 Years in the Making, and it's actually called Dying for Purpose. So if you'd like to be notified when those are available, come back to our table in the back. My wife and I will be back there. We'd love to shake your hand. Just fill out a card and then we'll send you a note when that comes out. If you're at another campus, you can go to an info booth. There's material on it. And of course, you can go online and sign up that way. Well, before I turn it back over to your local teams, I want to just pray us out. Father, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace. Thank you for moving in our lives. Thank you for purpose. Help us to walk in it to the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen.